Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on a sunny but cold September 9th. Winter is here, it seems like. We've had weather in the teens, massive like hurricane snowstorm on Labor Day. So it's been a crazy time. I see there's been an earthquake in New Jersey. I mean, what else can happen in 2020? I'm afraid to ask. But anyway, we're going to talk today about the Amazon Accelerate online conference. I went to all three days, um, the whole day for all three days, um, which means I went to half of the sessions because the other half were, um, they were at the same time. So you had to pick one to go to. So I'm going to go through what I, the sessions I went to, uh, what I learned, what I wished I would have learned and all that. Um, and we're going to start right at the top. Just one mention, there are files in the files section of the group that um, I downloaded what I thought were the best sessions. I found a sneaky little trick to be able to download them instead of just watch them online because they said they will disappear after 30 days. So those, uh, the link to those is in the file section. It goes to my Dropbox and they're there. So you can download, um, download them to your computer to watch as you're at your leisure. I'd prefer you not watch them on my Dropbox because that just slows everything down, but you can certainly download them. So we're going to get started. The first thing, the first morning was the keynote, which I think was the worst session of them all. Um, because they didn't know who their audience was. They were, they gave a presentation. This was Jeff Wilkie, who was the keynote speaker, gave a presentation like he was directed at shareholders of Amazon to tell them how good Amazon treats their third party sellers and how valuable they are and all that. Um, it was, it was a total waste. I thought because he did not know his audience. I thought it was all fluff. Um, didn't know his audience, didn't know who, who he was speaking to. But there were a few things that he said that I'm going to um, touch on. First is there are approximately 1.7 million third-party sellers on Amazon. Of those, 200,000 sell over $100,000 a year, with the average Amazon seller selling 160000 a year. That was a lot lower than I thought. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I understand there's a lot of hobby sellers and a little very few, very, a lot of very part-time sellers, but I expected there to be more selling over a hundred thousand and I expected the average to be higher. So that means there's a lot of, you know, very, very small sellers on Amazon. So the second thing he said, as Ellie just posted in the group liars, the second thing he said is Amazon's private label brands, like their Good Threads clothing brand, their Amazon Basics that does furniture and computer cables and a whole tons of stuff. Um, he said, and I wrote this in quotes, so I must have wrote it, Amazon private label is not competition to third-party sellers. And they flat out denied that they use individual seller data. I call BS on that one. And as Sharon just said, I thought it was directed to the government. Um, yeah, it could be, Sharon. That's a very good point. That, that didn't even cross my mind. Um, but I do not believe that, even though there, there are investigations in place about using third-party seller data. 
The one thing I think he could say, maybe say this with a straight face is they don't use individual seller data, but I doubt that. I know they are. They are. And to sit there and flat out lie like that is ridiculous. It's better not to address it at all, I think. Um, they said um, they had a very Pollyanna, Pollyanna attitude in this keynote, like nothing was wrong. Um, and there's there seems to be this disconnect where they think we we they are so lucky that they let us to set, let us sell on their platform that that we should be lucky um yeah um and she, as shelly said that disconnect begins at the top and you can see why every it, the the it comes down um from there with the attitude that we are lucky to be able to um sell on their platform the whole Pollyanna attitude that nothing is wrong drove me crazy. But in the next breath, he was um, very clear that they expect breakdowns in Q4 fulfillment already. They expect breakdowns. It's already broken down. I placed an order for something yesterday with one day shipping and it'll be here Monday. Yesterday was Tuesday. And they're very clever in saying one day shipping, not one day delivery. So they might ship it in a day, but they are now using things that delay it in that whole delivery process, which is, you know, semantics and clever, but it's not what prime people pay for. And I think Q4 is going to be a mess with delivery delay complaints. Um, I did notice we've watched a lot of Amazon Prime in the last few weeks, and they are advertising on there to order early. You know, make sure you have your gifts in time, order early and all of that. So they are trying to get the word out to consumers to not expect um, decent delivery times either. So that means we have to have our stuff in the warehouses now. Don't delay. I, I don't want to say don't worry about storage fees, but I would not make that my primary worry. My primary worry is getting, um, getting stuff into the warehouse um, and the storage fees are, are secondary in that worry. Um, they, there was no mention about seller support. They, he did say that he's aware that some buyers have had terrible experiences and we want to avoid that. But there was no mention about all the terrible seller support issues. And there was no mention at all of these fake IP complaints that are going around. Um, and because people asked about these um, in questions. Um, and they were very clever throughout the whole three days of the, the seminar, um, how they um, did not put your questions in the queue if it was the least bit confrontational, the least bit questioning leadership or anything. Those of you who read my Facebook posts as the, the sessions were going along, they blacklisted a lot of my questions and never asked, never put them in the queue to be asked because they knew the answer would be bad um, and they didn't want to address it. So, um, so that was an interesting thing that we are going to take sellers and basically only answer the questions we want to answer because then we can give the answers we want to give. That was very clear. And also they did not record the question and answer sessions in the whole thing, which were the most valuable part of the whole, the whole three days. So, so that was the, um, uh, Ellie says they didn't answer any of hers. They answered, I, I played a game and tried the hardball questions that I wanted answers to. 
And then the softball questions that they knew, I knew they could answer in the way they wanted to answer. And they answered the softball ones, which to me were BS questions. They did not even put the hardball questions in the queue because you could toggle between your questions and the questions asked. And I posted in the group where I said, why aren't you answering my questions? And they gave me, we can't answer this as written or some BS. Anyway, so moving on to the sessions. Keynote, total waste of time, total fluff, did not know his audience. I think Sharon might have hit the nail on the head. It was directed to government. I do. And I didn't think of it, so there you go. So the first session I went to was about Amazon Live, which is a live stream app on your phone that allows you to make live streams to Amazon. Um, it's for brand owners or influencers only. So you have to have a registered brand or be in the Amazon influencer program. I'm in the influencer program. So I went through the whole process to register for this, but you guys know, I don't like being on camera. So no way in heck I'm going to be doing this, but two things, if you like being on camera and you're good on camera and you are a registered brand owner or an influencer, I think this has a lot of appeal to people, not to me, but a lot of appeal. Um, the, um, I think it was Aaron, Ellie's daughter said that it's like TikTok for Amazon. Um, and the one takeaway that the guy was very, very clear about is stay on camera as long as you can for engagement, engagement, engagement. It reminded me very much of, um, QVC or Home Shopping Network in that it was that kind of program where it was fun and upbeat and we're showing products and you can get it now, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the promotions you offer in that only promote when you're, you're doing the live, um, live, live stream. It's called Amazon Live. So, um, um, the video will stay there, um, that doesn't go away, but the the deals become don't are no longer available when you're not live. So he was very clear on um, staying live for a long time. Don't do a two minute one, you know. Do a longer one. Um, it is iOS only right now, so the Android people don't have that option. But I think if you like being on camera, you have a demonstrable product. It could be really really good. Um, there's a few people in the group I know who could really take advantage of this. So the next session I went to um, was the A-plus content session. A-plus content is for registered brand owners. And if you detect a theme here, yeah, brands are it. Uh, to, to put video and extra images and much more stuff on their, um, their pages for their brands. Um, the guy, the present presenter was horrible. I know we joked about it in the Facebook group, but somebody said he's like, he wanted to be anywhere else, but on camera. And these were pre-recorded sessions that they played. And then the people were live in their homes for the Q and a sessions is how it worked. He did not want to be there. And he just read the slides and it was like, Oh my God, you know, we could go online and read this stuff too. Um, and the things, um, the one thing that I took away from this is if you're going to do a plus content on your brand pages is the first thing to prioritize and at you say, which ones do I add content first? The first ones are the products with the lowest conversion rates. He said, so that's a takeaway or products that have a high return rate 
because then you can explain more because you have more options to put video, more images, et cetera, et cetera. So if you have a product that maybe people don't quite understand, they expect something different, it's different than anything else on the market, this could be an opportunity um, to add A plus content. And also if there are uh, uh, negative reviews, you can address the issues that were brought up in the reviews in this A plus content to try to fix it. I mean, there's no guarantee people will look at it because we know people don't even read anything. Um, and then the fourth thing he said in the priority is your top sellers to push even more sales. So if you're going to do A plus content, that's where you go. Um, so, um, okay, the next session, I'm sorry, I've got tons of notes. The next session I did was starting with FBA because I wanted to see what they were teaching new sellers or trying to teach new sellers. One thing that he said over and over and over is that it only takes two weeks to receive your products at Amazon. And all I could think is what planet are you living on? This is the disconnect that, that there is no relationship. To, in the good days for me, it was two weeks because where I live, it took a week to get to a warehouse and a week to check in. That was the good days. I've got some that are going on eight weeks right now that have been received but not checked in. So this whole two weeks thing, get a grip, buddy. Get a grip because you have no idea. Um, here's some of the quotes I wrote down. You should be all FBA so we can keep track of everything for you. Mm -hmm. um, we take extreme care and caution with your products. Mm -hmm. That's why you ship, ship breakable things in bubble envelopes. You can trust us. That was another direct quote. We take care of everything for you. Another direct quote. So, yeah, more disconnect there. Um, this was a frustrating one because the new sellers who listen to this are going to believe it and think, oh, I just send it in and I don't have to do anything else because we take care of everything. He said that. No, you don't. Sorry you don't, but so don't tell people you do. The one interesting thing that, that he said, and I wrote it with big stars around it, because I don't know if it's true, and I forgot to research it before the, this Facebook Live, but I will go back and do it, is he said when you send, product, send products into FBA, the box can't be more than 50 pounds. We know that. We also know there's a size limit of 25 inches on the longest side, 24, 25, I think it's 25 on the longest side. But he also said you can't have more than 150 units in a box. I have to tell you, every pretty much every box I send in tops 200 units because my stuff is small. You know, a, knitting, a set of knitting needles doesn't take up much space. In an 18 by 14 by 12 box, I can get probably 400 units in it. So I had never heard that anywhere, the 150 units or 50 pounds. I knew the 50 pounds, but not the 150 units. If anybody else has heard that, please let me know. Give me the link. Um, if not, I'm going to put a big sticky here um, to research this. And this was on his presentation, so I'm going to go look back on his presentation too and see. But I wrote it down, so it must be what he said because I just like, it stopped me in my tracks, you know. Um, Jen says she sends more than 150 in a box regularly. And Ellie just posted, case packs boxes, 
uh, case packed boxes can have no more than 150 items per box. The case packed box should not have any scannable barcodes, rather only the units within the case can contain barcodes. Okay, so he was not clear about case packed versus mixed shipment. Okay, that makes sense, Ellie. Thank you for that. So um, there again, I think he led, he led somebody astray in that, that they're going to think, well, yeah, I sell a whole bunch of different items, but I can't put more than 150 in a box. So there you go, Amazon. He probably doesn't know the difference. So that was that session. And Jen says hers are mixed SKUs. Mine are all mixed, too. Out of 100, it's 200 units in a box. There's probably 100 different SKUs, you know. So um, so that is, yeah, you can see why that pulled me up in my tracks. So thank you, Ellie, for looking at it for me. Um, so the next session I went to was advertising for new to Amazon products, meaning the product's not on Amazon anymore. You make the listing. How do you advertise? Um, the one thing that they said, which is so funny because when Amazon makes a listing, they don't do it, is do it right. Your product detail page, do it right. Which, yeah, we know that, okay? You guys all make good pages because we know how to make the good pages. But she, that was her um, detail was do it right. She also suggested 60 character titles. I had not heard the exact number of 60. I have some that are less, some that are more. Um, but that was a, a thing that she made a big point about, 60 character titles. So I need to research that a little more and see if anybody else has that as a, as a um, to-do point. She said that you should pay for the early reviewer program. I'm not so sure, but of course they want to sell those because they make money on it. Um, the, um, the, the other thing that she said, which I was kind of glad to hear because it reinforces what I do. She said, unless you are an SEO expert, start with auto targeting on your, your advertising because you built the detail page, right? So the keywords you want searched are already in the title, the bullet points and the description. And that's how I've been doing it as long as I've been on Amazon. Um, because I don't want people to land on this page who don't want to find it. I want them to find the specific thing they're looking for. It might be different if you are a private label seller, but I'm a brand name product seller with people searching for those brand names. So I'm not, I don't want people who are looking for Nikes to be on my Reebok page. And you guys know I sell neither. <laughs> but, but I don't want them to be on my brand A knitting tool page when they want brand B. You know, that kind of thing. So she was very clear. She said, look into early reviewer versus Amazon Vine and see which works for you. I don't do either. Um, use auto-targeting. If you are going to do... Uh, Manual targeting, um, she says no more than 30 keywords. She didn't say why, but that's what she said. And this I found shocking. Your uh, cost of sales at ACOS for this advertising should be between 20 and 30%. I thought that was high. It's just me, but I thought it was high because mine is way lower than that. Mine is never in double digits. Um, so... Um, I didn't think that was such a great session because there, there was conflicting information, especially the 60 character title one. I'm not so sure. 
Um, the next session I went to was all about virtual bundles. And this is where you make bundles within your brand that can be purchased by people that you don't have to put together. So, so say you have a bundle of three dog, a dog leash, a dog collar, a dog coat, or you have three items that people could purchase together and they're your brand name doggy products. You can make what is called a virtual bundle that allows people to buy it as a bundle, even though you have not bundled them together under one ASIN. That's why it's called virtual. And Amazon would then pick and pack them um, from the warehouse because they're individual items. They put them all together. So um, interestingly enough, I wrote down four minutes because this guy only took four minutes for his whole presentation. Um, so a um, couple things that I noted about it. It must, they must be FBA products. They can't be merchant fulfilled. Um, they must be in new condition and they must be physical products, no downloads or anything like that. Like you couldn't add a Kindle book to um, this. The price must be equal to or less than the total of the individual prices. So they, they, you can't charge more for making the bundle. Um, it's supposed to be a quote deal. And it's for brand, uh, brands you own only. You're, so if you have products that are brand registered, um, there you go. So that was the first day. Um, second day, I took building a brand in Amazon stores. Basically, um, if you have a brand, and you see it's, it's all about brands. If you have a brand on Amazon, you can now have an Amazon store. And I'm setting one up now for one of the brands that I manage for the owner. She's a friend of mine, and I'm the only Amazon seller of her product. And and all that. So Amazon is offering a thing where they'll help you set it up. So I'm going to try it and see. Um, they require um, um, they require uh, certain things, certain they call them uh, assets like images, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to go back to Thalia's comment in the group. Sorry to get sidetracked, but we're going to go back to virtual bundles. She says, I don't see the positive for virtual bundles for sellers. We still pay the same fees. Products can sit out individually from different fulfillment centers. The one advantage I can see is upselling somebody who may have seen the doggy leash but didn't see that there's a matching collar and a matching coat. That's, it's, it's an upsell game is, is how I see it. Um, and I, you know, I have a couple of the brands I manage that might have something that might work. I'm going to try one and see what happens with it. Um, just out of pure curiosity so I can tell you guys the process and all that. But the upsell is the, um, the advantage to it. So back to the building a brand in the Amazon star, uh, Amazon stores. And yes, Thalia, they're dictating pricing parameters. What is that called in the real world? But there you go. Um, building a brand in Amazon store. So I'm going to set up this store so I can walk you guys through it and tell you how it went. Um, but here's what she said about how to build your brand on Amazon. Keep items in stock. Well, yeah, we kind of know that. List more. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. And make sure you use Prime. And she didn't say FBA, but she says Prime shipping. So theoretically, it could be seller-fulfilled Prime. But yeah, those were the, 
the three things that um, that list more key products in stock and use Prime. She also said that one of the advantages of the stores is you get a different brand dashboard. So I'll look at that when the time comes. Um, and I have in quotes here, fix your products. And she was very clear, meaning you've got to have good detail pages and all that. And this is one of those places where I said, how can we make good detail pages when we're the brand owner and we can't even get seller support to, to add things or fix things on it? They didn't answer that question. You know, because that they don't, they wouldn't touch anything about seller support, believe me. They would not touch it with a 10 foot pole. And she was also very clear that images, images, images um, is important, and we know they are. Um, she also reinforced that there are going to be problems with the Q4 infrastructure. She was another one who flat out said there are going to be delivery problems. There's going to be fulfillment problems and all that. So I don't think we can ignore that. It's ignore at your peril because um, in the end, even though they try to say we take care of everything, they don't. We get the nasty emails from customers who we've, we've ruined their life because a Christmas gift was late. You know, I, I, I've ruined so many lives in that way because of delivery was late. It's, so people are being warned, but they still will order three days before Christmas and wonder why it didn't get there. She did say um, the stores that are fashion-based, the brands with the Amazon stores that are fashion-based, they're going to be launching something called Virtual Try-On where you can put the the product over an image of yourself and see what it looks like and all that. But but that's, that's coming. So that was the... Um, Amazon stores. Like I said, I'll be doing one so I can tell you guys what it's like. There again, brand owners only. I think Amazon totally buries their head in the sand that there's a huge number of their sellers. And I probably, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably more than that are brand owners who sell like a typical retail store. We have lots of different brands. We have lots of different products over a niche or not. I, they, they have buried their hand at that women's conference that Jen and Ellie and Martha and Sherry and I went to. And I think there was somebody else that I've just now forgotten. I apologize. But they totally, like, like sellers who sell like the majority of, the, of us in the group do, um, they totally have ignored that at that conference. And they ignored it now. I don't think that they realize the numbers. And I think that would be an inter interesting statistic to see from Amazon is brand owners versus the general sellers like, like I am and Ron is and, and all that. So. so the next session I went to was about pricing. And boy, this was a hot potato. And they blocked like six questions of mine on this one because, yeah, because they didn't want to answer them. So... Um, so what Amazon is requiring is that you be priced at or below other websites. They call that competitive pricing. Okay. They will not tell you because I asked several times, what are the other sites that you check for the quote competitive pricing? They would not answer that. So, um, so that was kind of a, okay, you'll tell us what you do, but you don't give us any guidance so we know any better, which is ridiculous. 
and they consider an uncompetitive price to be one cent over the price where the product can be found elsewhere. That includes shipping. They said they do take that into consideration. I'm guessing probably they don't as much as they like to say they do. So there you go. So if you are priced even one penny over where it's priced somewhere, and we have no idea where that somewhere is, you won't get, you won't be a featured offer, which is now what they're calling the buy box. They are not calling it the buy box anymore. And if you notice on your seller dashboard, it's not calling it um, in that, that pricing panel. It's now called match featured offer pricing. So that's the new term they're using is featured offer. So you must be what they call, and I'm using air quotes here, you must be competitive to be the featured offer. So if you are a penny more than XYZ website, wherever they're searching, you will not be the featured offer. You won't have the buy box. So if you're not a competitive offer, remember no buy box. But we don't know where to go to check all these other prices. That's the rub. You know, that it is so opaque. Just tell us, oh, we check Walmart, we check eBay, we check Target, wherever. Just tell us so we know what to do but they won't give that guidance. And um, I asked, I wrote down three times, I asked, and they said they're reputable websites, in, and I have that in quotes. Um, the, and I asked, what retailers do they check to, um, cons to see if an offer is um, competitive or not? And they didn't answer that. Um, they said you will get emails from Amazon Selling Coach if your offer is not competitive. I have not. Um, I have not done that. I've not gotten them, so I'm going to check my settings again. I have a little asterisk by this. And they also said you can check the pricing health page. But, um, okay, I'm looking at questions. Ellie said, so... If you sell your own brand, you need to make sure your price is over Amazon's. You mean if they sell your brand also? Because if you're your own brand, the things they would check is what are you selling it for on Walmart, on Amazon, on eBay, on Target, whatever other places you're selling it. On your own website, they'll check that too. Sharon says, I tried to buy some patio furniture on Amazon. There was no buy box. I took the title and Googled it. The seller had their own website, and I got a 10% new customer discount, and it was listed for less than Amazon. So I saved but did not buy on Amazon. Right. And they didn't have the buy box or the featured offer um, because it was priced lower somewhere else. Yeah. So this is, it's very clear what they're pushing. It's, it's totally clear what they're pushing. But they have not given us the tools we need to do this. Um, so just be aware of it. Ed says it doesn't sound like it's legal. Yeah, they are pushing this to the edge. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but boy. And Sharon, that's a really good lesson to do um, is to Google the title and see where else you can buy it. You know, we looked for, Ron and I were shopping this morning for 
new scales, new tape guns, all that, because some stuff is, is really old and wearing out. And it used to be that I'd go to Amazon first, and I'm not anymore. You know, the delivery was what did it for me, the prime delivery. But the, since that's no longer in play, um, the two-day delivery, then it makes no sense to go there first. Um, I wrote down here, oh, oh, yeah. Um, on the account they showed on their, their, you know, their slides to demonstrate this, they had a performance warning flag, that red flag on their account that they were showing how all this works which I thought was just hilarious. They probably have no clue what that means. That is just mind boggling that they have no clue. I think anybody working on this third party seller side needs to like spend a week with a third party seller so they know. Um, so they had the warning flag. It is very clear they're pushing automated pricing, whether it's the Amazon repricer or, or a third party repricer. That was very clear that that's what they're pushing is the automating pricing. Um, and I don't know, I have to remember what my note means. Um, so you, oh, if you use a third party repricer, make sure you set up something called any offer change notifications. So you can see when your repricer changes and keep an eye on it. Um, someone, um, asked about competing with Amazon and she said that Amazon has no priority in the as a featured offer over third-party sellers I don't buy that at all sorry don't buy that one don't believe it do not believe it in the least I am sure there's something in their algorithm that gives them the featured offer over third-party sellers so you know she can say that all she wants I don't buy it um, so if you are the only seller of a product and you're not a featured offer, there's a couple of reasons, she said. One is your price is not competitive, um, meaning that um, you are a penny or more over wherever else in the internet world they check. You could have poor customer service, which is ironic because if you're FBA, isn't that what Amazon says, we take care of everything, or your delivery speed could be too slow. So I guess if you're merchant fulfilled and you don't have that. So that's why if you're the only seller on a product and you're not a featured offer, those are the things that could, could cause it. She would not elaborate any more on the whole buy box thing. I mean, oh, and I just, I turned my page here and I just said, this is walking a fine line with price fixing. Yeah. So that was my thought at the time that, boy, um, this was, it was, it is. And I'm sure if government oversight people were watching this presentation that, that they'd have a lot of ammunition um, in their cases. So uh, next session I went to was brand analytics, meaning all the data you can find out about the brand you're selling on Amazon. See, more brand stuff. Um, it was a six-minute presentation. So it was a six-minute pre-recorded stuff. Um, to get the brand analytics reports, you have to be a professional seller and the rights owner. So unless you are brand registered with you as the rights owner on Amazon, you can't get any of the thing reports. He said the most 
Um, oh, I wrote, I, I wrote, yeah, they, they blacklisted two of my questions here. And I said, it's proof they only want easy questions. Um, but they did say the most important report is the search term report to help um, hone in on the search terms that are converting for you, not just getting clicks, but actually making sales. That was a, that was a really um, short presentation, fluff. I'm reading the list here. Wouldn't answer proof that they only want easy questions. I don't remember what I asked them that was so hard, but I wrote, it was enough to say proof they only want easy questions. So enough for them. Um, next session I went to was the account health session. And I even wrote down this prevent presenter's name, so he must have been really good because the others I didn't even write their names. Dave Nadell. Um, he calls, um, and Amazon is now calling this whole account health thing, part of it is voice of the customer. Um, and that's one thing they look at um, in this whole bunch of analytics and account health. Um, I have four exclamation points after this next point, and it says, understand and know your supply chain and we've been preaching that since the group started and before that when i was on thrifting for profit and all that you have to know your supply chain meaning you can't be buying meaning retail arbitrage is out in their eyes it really is because you don't know your supply chain the only part of your chain you know is that retailer you bought it from whether it be walmart who we know has stolen uh, sold counterfeit fake products, the whole frozen debacle a few years ago. So it's know your, know and understand your supply chain. So know where your products have come from every step of the way and be able to prove it. That is the most important thing to account health because it protects you from a whole bunch of different, um, different issues because then you can prove well if i bought it from the brand brand and i have an invoice not a receipt i can prove it's legitimate so that can protect you from ip claims and all that um or not protect you it, it can help you if there are fake claims so um he said that the guided workflows in seller support and other ports parts of amazon that, that are rolling out will help you maintain account, account health. I'm not so sure about that. I think they are just another way for bots to be involved so you don't get real people, which in many cases with seller support, it might be a little better than some of the gobbledygook answers we get um, that we get from seller support. But another thing he was very clear on is your detail pages being in the right category. That will help. Oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry. This is the seller support. I Because I asked him, how can we get a decent answer from seller support? Sorry, I misread my notes here. One is go into detail on your question. I, I, I think I give enough detail in all of mine, but I try to keep it concise also. Um, because I know I, they don't want to read 95 paragraphs and find the last paragraph is where the question is. Or maybe they do, I don't know. But he said, go into detail make sure you have asked your question of seller support in the right category. Yeah, we do. People, we do. And then he suggested, which is kind of funny, 
that is what I suggested in the last Facebook Live, is keep a log of your cases outside of Amazon. Oh, the irony, right? That we have to go and keep a spreadsheet of our cases outside of Amazon's case manager. Yeah, but I guess he realizes there might be some issues with that whole closing cases when we've done nothing thing and all that. He said um, they're, they're doing new things like proactive account suspensions, basically giving you warning to fix things before they do it. Uh, fortunately, I've, that's not turned up for me, so it's not been something that I've had to worry about. Um, but he says they're doing it. Um, he also said, interestingly enough, on your account health page, that any regulatory and legal issues you may have on your account may not show up there. It's like, okay, that's another case of like, yeah, we'll give you 60% of the data you need, but we won't give you everything. And you have to guess on that other 40%, just like, like not telling us what are the websites you check for pricing. Would that be much simpler if they just told us where we check so we knew where to price? No, not doing it. Not doing it. Thalia said he's one of the few that actually sounded like he was aware of some of the real seller's issues. Yeah, that's why I wrote at the top good presenter because he did. But so some of the stuff won't show up on your account health. So you could say you look at your account health and everything's fine and dandy, but know that some stuff that relate to legal and regulatory issues may not show up. Lovely. Um, the presenters that I liked, and there were two, um, he was one of them. I connected with on LinkedIn and they both accepted my my connection thing which kind of surprised me but interestingly as Thalia said he's one of the few that sounded like he was aware of stuff so maybe that's why he's aware because he connects with people outside of his little silo at Amazon but anyway so um, oh okay this is still um, him I have two pages of him so he must be be okay. The new corporate speak at Amazon for your account being suspended is deactivation. So they're not using the word suspended anymore. They're using deactivated. I guess suspended sound too much like high school or something. But, um, he said there is no published phone number to contact anybody at Amazon. You must use the contact us form and go through that. I asked a question, and he actually answered it, about IP addresses and whether using the same IP address as someone else um, is, could be the only reason your account could be suspended. Ron and I use the same IP address, but we have permission for our separate accounts, so this wouldn't relate to us. Um, so he said the IP address alone is not a would not mean instant deactivation. So if you used an IP address at Starbucks because you were sitting there working and somebody else was an Amazon seller sitting at Starbucks working, the IP address alone is not the reason you would be deactivated. They said they use other metrics as well. So if you have like other issues, this may be the one that shove you over the edge. So just be aware that, that all these things are cumulative and one issue in itself might be okay, but um, together they could be enough to break the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, my recommendation is if you are out and about any 
anywhere that's not your home, use a VPN to log into your Amazon account just to be safe. It's no use, you know, trying to um, think everything's fine and this be the one thing that some bozo's on the same IP at a friend's house and he's like a horrible Amazon seller and you somehow got linked to him. So I use ExpressVPN. Um, it's quick, it's simple, um, it's fast to log in, it's, they have good seller support. Um, I, I started using them way back when, before any of this was an issue, to watch BBC um, live here in the U.S. Because you can log in from, you can pick your server. So I pick one in London to do it. Um, and I use it when I travel anywhere. I don't use a hotel's Wi-Fi without using a VPN as the protection layer first. Um, I don't do affiliate stuff, but I will put a link into the group. I think the only link they give you is like if you sign up, I get a month free just to be aware of that. I don't do affiliate stuff where I get paid and paid and paid, but I like them. I think if you travel, you need a VPN. And this one works Windows, Mac, Linux, if you're running a Linux machine. It works on your iPad, both um, Android and iOS phones. Um, I think it works like on some other tablets too. Um, so be aware. If you have another Amazon seller in your house, you might want to use a VPN. Um, if you travel, you definitely want to use a VPN. So anyway, um, the question also came up, up about um, putting stuff in your orders or your packaging. And he said, no gifts and no inserts should be in your packaging. I mean, you obviously you put the instructions on that, but all these little business cards that, you know, five-star service or contact us, no, no, no. No free gifts in, in an Amazon package. They don't want that either. So if you are, you know, whether you're FBA and you put an extra in the, the package or you were merchant fulfilled put an extra he said they want a predictable consistent buyer experience and you can imagine some buyers would say well why the hell did i get this i didn't buy it and that creates confusion so no gifts no inserts no matter what anybody else is doing just don't do it so that was the his name was dave nadell and his thing was account health so um the next one I listened to was Growing with Expert Help. And basically this was a pitch session for Amazon's, they call it our SPN, our Service Provider Network, meaning links to their, their um, part, I'll use air quotes again, their partners. Like, and I use them, Restock Pro, you know, all the, the ancillary companies that work with Amazon. They're under an umbrella on Amazon Service Provider Network. So I would look there first if you have an issue in your particular selling situation that you're wondering if it could be automated or solved or whatever. Look there. Can't hurt. That was the whole presentation was selling. Um... um is look at service pro I'm looking at Sandra's question uh, I always put a little sticker in there asking for feedback not asking for five stars I thought it was allowed Sandra based on this I wouldn't put anything in there I really wouldn't I don't and I wouldn't I used to 
Um, but that's okay for eBay. But he was very clear. No gifts, no inserts. So just, you know, don't. Um, the next session I went to, which is we're now on the last day. Yeah, the last day. was FBA replenishment. And here's the irony. The first thing the presenter said what is you must have more than four weeks of inventory at Amazon. Really? When everybody else tells you no more than 30 days, um, but, um, but now they're saying for, we want more than four weeks. Okay. Right hand, here's what left hand doing. Be clear, please. You know? Um, Ellie, I'm going back to the seller provi service provider network. Ellie said, I find they price higher when Amazon recommends them. Yes, because Amazon gets a cut. You know Amazon's not listing them on there for free. Cause they, so they got to pay Amazon's cut. But you could find them on Amazon and then go to their website and find them. Don't go through Amazon. So, yeah, for more than four weeks inventory. Um, which I think coming up on this Q4 is, is not ridiculous. But she seemed to say it was like all year round. Um, and she says it will help sales rank because you'll be in stock and they can deliver faster. No, no, I don't think, I don't think having four weeks inventory is going to help them deliver faster as long as you're in stock. I think that's, it was a disconnect where she didn't quite, that didn't quite make sense to me because how is me, how, how is having more inventory in there going to make it get faster? You know, if I have enough where they distribute it around, and all that it shouldn't matter if they can distribute it now if you only have one of something i understand because it could be on the west coast and your buyers on the east coast and could take longer but greg oh greg that's perfect four weeks in the warehouse or four weeks on the loading dock yeah i got some that have been on the loading dock seven weeks now yeah but yeah exactly it's like it's such a mess and i don't think that a lot this mess anymore can be blamed on covid because they have had time to, to deal with some issues. I think this is they just got caught with their pants down and don't know what to do. So um, the whole replenish, the limit thing on replenishment, I know some people in the group have had issues with they've had replenishment limits. Um, you could only send X number of items in. They're now saying that coming up, it's not right now, but this is coming up. So. They could spring us on us in the next two minutes or the next two months or the next two years. Is um, they're going to let those people with limits choose whether your limit is an ASIN limit, meaning you can only send in 20 of a particular, and I'm just picking, picking the number, 20 of a particular ASIN or 20 products total. So they're going to give you a seller limit that you can only send in 1,000 products. And you decide how you want to divvy it up among your ASINs, which kind of makes more sense, especially if you're someone who sells holiday-related things. Because then you can decide, well, I'm not sending any, any, any Labor Day stuff in right now. I'm going to focus on, on Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, um, holidays that are coming up, not holidays that have just passed. But they... Um, they don't say when that will be taking effect. I do think that might be a positive move for people of seller limits. Then, oh, and I wrote next, her answers were useless. 
Hmm, interesting. And here's why her answers were useless. Because she said in the next breath, they want two to four months inventory in the warehouse. And I put five question marks after that. So she said more than four weeks to begin with. The other person said 30 days. And now she wants two to four months. But people have limits. So uh, yeah, I guess that's why I wrote her answers were useless. Um, the ASIN limit to seller limit, no date was given. Um, there is a new program going into place called Shipment Ask that will gather info to generate shipment recommendations. Um, that's all they said about it. I don't know when it will go into, into effect, how it will affect us, because as I said again on the next page as I turn my nose, her answers were ridiculous. To say you want two to four months inventory is ridiculous. She has no, she has no clue about how third-party sellers work. Um, Thalia says, I think she meant two to four months for Q4. Okay, if I heard it wrong, then I will say I'm wrong. But come on, Thalia, didn't think you think she was pretty useless? Because then we get to the best presenter of the whole thing, including the muckety-muck who did the keynote, a, a woman named Leonora Fink. And she did improving inventory performance. She was awesome. She's another one who accepted my um, LinkedIn connection thing. So um, she says, basically, here's a few things you need to know about inventory performance. And this is IPI, basically. Um, it tells you how efficient your inventory is being used. True, right? Tells you how fast you're selling it, all that. And, and her, take, or her um, take on this was the more efficient your inventory is being used, the more profit you can make. Totally agree with her there too. If you sell through faster, you're going to make more money. You're not paying storage fees. You're, you're moving your capital faster. You have more to reinvest, etc. The other thing she says that less than 1% of your revenue, meaning your sales, should be in storage fees, monthly storage fees. That's your goal. So um, on, I think it's the account health page where, um, where it tells you um, what percentage you spent Mine is 0.0. .0. Even though I have storage fees, my storage fees run like $42 a month is my average. But because of the, because of math, um, it says zero because it doesn't go out past the first decimal place. So Thalia says she wanted Leonore to do all the presentations. Yeah, she was that good. She was that good. And she's the only one I commented on in the survey how good she was. So Remember, less than 1% is what your goal should be. And I liked her because she looked at it from the seller standpoint, not from Amazon standpoint. So for us, our goal should be less than 1%. Look at that. I think it's the account health page where it says you paid X percent of your revenue in storage fees this month. It's, it's on the right-hand side. Anyway, you're, and so she was very clear. Your I, IPI is constantly being measured but it updates on your dashboard weekly. For me, it seems to be Sunday that it updates. Um, it might be different for other people, but for me, it's Sunday. Um, couple things that she was also very clear about 
is you are better to do steady, consistent things with your inventory um, than to make one like drastic move, like recall all your, your stuff that's over 90 days. Um, she was very clear, a steady increase to your score helps. So doing consistent, steady things, maybe daily, for me, it would probably be weekly, to increase that score will help you. So don't just ignore it once a month, think you're going to do everything you need to do and then be done. They want steady, consistent. I'm not concerned because my score is over 600, so I feel okay, though I have an area I can improve and I wrote it down. Um, the the um, other things that she said, the three things she said that you can use, because I starred them here, is do more frequent, sorry, more frequent shipments. So this plays into what I do. I ship every day. I ship usually one box every day. That's my goal is to have one box every day because I have two to 400 units in a box. One box every day. She says more shipments, more frequent shipments. Second thing is get rid of dead inventory. If it hasn't sold in a year, get rid of it. Just move it, recall it. And I understand like, like um, uh, Ellie says, when they keep canceling your inventory, remember it's hard to be consistent. But yeah, I understand that totally. Um, Sharon's gone up one point a week for the last month. Wendy went up a point. I went down a point last week, but that's okay because I'm still over 600, so I feel fine. Um, so get rid of that dead inventory. That's one thing I need to do better is, is just bring it home and give it to crafty people or whatever. So, and the other thing is she said, try the outlet deals. And you'll know on your new seller central dashboard, there's a thing about outlet deals. It says you have X number that will qualify for outlet deals. I don't have any in there. So, you know, I have a zero there and then X number that will, can benefit from a lower price. That's the ones I'm going to concentrate on. So she had a couple of goals um, is um, you want 10% of your inventory to be what they call excess inventory, less than 10%. That's where I have more. And you, the most important thing, and because I asked her, and she did answer my question on this one, what is the most important metric to focus on to improve your IPI? And bless her, she answered, it's your sell-through rate. That's the most important one. You want it two or more. Mine's at 1.9 something, so that's where I need to work on it. So that, if you only do one thing, that is it. Work on your sell-through rate, which means it ties into getting rid of excess inventory and all that kind of stuff, but that's the one she said to focus on. And she says it is that sell-through rate is the value of items shipped, and I hope I wrote this down right, oh, divided by, no, divide into, so it's divided into the average inventory you've had over a 90-day period. So it's a 90-day. And it, update, it updates, but it's that 90-day average that, that changes. So... Um, so that's how it's determined. Work on that one and get rid of excess inventory. Those are the two that I'm going to do. 
I'm going to um, report back in the group how I'm doing with it and seeing what it does. So again, she maintains that um, the, your dashboard updates daily, but the IPI number only updates weekly. Um, the out-of-stock inventory, if you're not going to ever carry it again, you can delete it, she said. Yay. A lot of people just close it, but do something so it doesn't count against you. Just um, ignore it in or whatever um, you need to do so it doesn't show you're out of stock on products. Um, one thing she was also, uh, um, also clear about is you've got to be consistent. And this is pretty clear that Amazon wants consistency across the board. You have to maintain what you're doing over a long period of time. Um, that's why that 90-day average inventory and all that. It's not a one-time fix and then you're done. They want consistency and over a long period of time. I wrote maintain positive factors over a long period. Um, if you're new to Amazon FBA, um, you have a grace period. So if you're a new seller, you have, if meaning, and she said a new seller is less than 90 days, um, your IPI is not impacted by sell-through and all that kind of stuff. Um, she suggested one to two months of inventory at FBA. So everybody's different, but there you go. And she suggested 200 units for new ASINs. In my niche, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to sell 200 units of a new knitting needle right away. It's just not. So, um, so the, um, the number there on how much inventory to keep is fluid. Um, if you ever see her doing anything on Amazon, I would highly recommend her. Again, her name was Leonora Fink. Um, excellent. And her presentation is in the, um, that Dropbox link. She's one of them that, that people wanted, so it's in there. Of all of them, that, if you can only listen to one, listen to hers. Unfortunately, they, did not, they don't record the questions and answers because that was an important part. And I didn't think to do it myself from my laptop to record those separately, but it is what it is. But she was excellent. So the next session I went to, which also was pretty decent, and he's another one who gave me his, he actually gave everybody in it his email address. Bless him. His name was David Lake, and he's another one who connected on LinkedIn. And he was a very good presenter who knew his stuff. And I think there is a, there's a connection here. The best ones are willing to, to connect with sellers and all that. So his was about stranded inventory. And if you have your pencils handy, I'm going to give his little email address. It's fbastrandedinventory at amazon.com. fbastrandedinventory at amazon.com. His name is David Lake. So if you have some stranded issues you can't fix, email him. That's what I would do email him. Um, so he said, here is how items get stranded. 53% of stranded inventory is due to policy or legal issues, meaning IP complaints, meaning hazmat that you haven't sent in the SDS sheet, things like that, policy and legal. 41% are seller-initiated issues meaning you accidentally closed or deleted a listing and then sent product or wh while products were inbound or while they were even there, 41%. Um, 
the the six percent is listings missing vital info meaning there's no price or what's what they call a mismatch um, he didn't go into detail what a mismatch was but anyway so it's 40 it's 53% policy and legal, 41% seller initiated, and 6% mismatch or missing vital info. I beg to differ on the seller initiated one because I've had stuff where things were perfect and then all of a sudden they went stranded with that listing error that shows up, but whatever. Um, so a couple things he said to do um, is... Um, to avoid this, one is if you, your item has an SDS sheet, um, make sure you upload that as you create the new listing. Um, make sure that there are no IP issues that are going to come up with this product, meaning you have the right to sell it. A lot of them are stranded from retail arbitrage sellers who then have no, you know, they can't prove they bought, they don't have their supply chain perfectly detailed because they bought it retail arbitrage so they can't prove they bought it you know all that stuff so um so make sure you have those sent into amazon the the sds or any hazmat issues cleared or or whatever um before you send the inventory in he said he has found the biggest issue with the seller initiated stranded inventory is bulk uploads, meaning flat files, spreadsheets, that you make a mistake on those. And he says they're really useful when you know how to use them, but they can do a lot of damage when you don't, which is why I don't. Um, life, you can't learn everything in this business. You just have to know people who know more than you about it. So I don't do flat files because I don't have enough time to learn it anyway. Um, so he said, be very, very careful if you do bulk uploads. He's found that that causes more issues than anything. He also said, make sure you fix your stranded inventory daily. Whether it is fix those that listing error, upload whatever Amazon's asking for, the SDS sheet or whatever, but do it daily. And um, it's now easier to check because it's on... It's one of the useful cards that show up on our dashboard on Seller Central. Um, oh, he said, um, here's a fix that might work. He said, might. He says, sometimes it kicks things loose. So if you have something that's stranded and doing that, that one-click relist on Amazon doesn't work, he says, if it's an FBA product, convert it to Merchant Fulfilled and let it sit for a few minutes and then convert it back to FBA. He says sometimes that can kick loose something that actually makes it work. So that's a useful tip. Doesn't cost much to try. Um, and if it works, it saves a lot of hassle. But then if you get to the point where you can't um, fix things, you now have the email address to try. Okay, Wendy, I can't fix stranded daily. Amazon doesn't let me do anything with most items. Well, you now have a solution. You have two solutions. You have the, the change from FBA to Merchant Fulfill back to FBA to see if it could lose. And I gave you an email address if you can't fix anything. So by fixing it daily, he means check it and act on it daily. Don't let stuff sit. So now there's no excuse because you got the email to do it. There you go. Um, 
Oh, and about the, he actually, even though it wasn't his ball game, he reinforced what I've been telling you guys to do is don't convert things back and forth from FBA to Merchant Fulfilled to FBA if you have listings for both. Like say you're keeping some stuff Merchant Fulfilled till it hits the warehouse and then you're, then you're going to not, you're going to convert it over. Don't. He says have a separate listing for each. And that's where I told you guys how to do it in the add a new condition and make the other condition would be new and all that, except it would be the opposite fulfillment method. So for an ASIN, you have an FBA fulfillment method and a merchant fulfilled fulfillment method. And I did a whole, um, I think it was on talk show at the time when COVID first started on how to do this. So you can go back and listen to it again on how to do it. But his best practice was have a listing for each. That will avoid having things go stranded when they hit the warehouse. If they get received and you don't notice and all of a sudden they go stranded, they're just sitting there, it's a pain. So just be proactive. If you're merchant fulfilling and FBAing the product, both have a separate listing for each. So, okay. Wendy, the, the email address is fbastrandedinventory at amazon.com. And it's also in the session I don't know if you've watched those that I uploaded, but you should if you didn't pin. This is one that's there because he was so good. So it's FBA Stranded Inventory at Amazon.com. His name is David Lake. So um, the um, last one I listened to was about um, FBA inbound shipments. I was hoping this guy would like have the solution to these waiting stuff sitting on the dock, as Greg said, four weeks on the dock, four weeks, you know, sitting there for receiving. Nah, he was useless. This was a waste of time. Totally. The only thing I wrote, things I wrote down about it is there's a new workflow in beta called send to Amazon and it will work. Um, it's, it's especially useful if you send the same shipments over and over and over makes it very quick and easy. It's in beta. And if you are interested in getting in on this beta, um, it's the email to send uh, a request to saying, can I get on the send to Amazon beta would be send to Amazon at amazon.com. The guy's name is Adrian D'Souza, but that doesn't matter. You would just ask. Does not relate to me at all. So I'm not doing it. Um, but, um, but those of you who ship consistent like case packs or whatever, it could help. So that's send to Amazon at Amazon.com. And the program is called Send to Amazon. Another thing that they've just implemented, and it was when, when I posted last week about that shipment that had been sitting there since June, I think, um, was thing called shipping events that shows you in a little more detail every part of your process. Um, as your shipment goes into Amazon. So you could look at that. Ellie says, she, you have send to Amazon, so you must be in on the beta. So good for you. I don't. So um, so if you don't, don't feel bad. If you want to try it, you have the email address to send it to. So the thing, the other thing was shipping events, and you can look at that on your shipping queue on each shipment. It's basically a little timeline of everything that happened. It doesn't speed up anything. This is a guy who also dodged all my questions about the delays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and people would ask him, how, you know, questions about, do I have to label my stuff to go to Amazon? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, 
honey, you know. Um, it was a it was a very basic kind of thing um, where this whole this whole session didn't know who their um, their they were appealing to. I think they should have had two tracks, basically a new seller track and an experienced seller track, and maybe a third track for brand owners. Just my opinion. I don't run Amazon, so it means nothing. But I think they were very schizophrenic in how they approached um, the depth of information in the sessions, and. I have to say the accuracy of the information too, because a lot of the stuff is not accurate. But it's interesting how the, the three people who actually presented best had the best information also, which is, it's an interesting, you know, dynamic because um, if you have useless information and you're, and you're a bad presenter, you know, that's the other side of the coin. And I thought that very interesting. So I think we've run out of, we've gone way over. It's an hour and 15 minutes. I hope this helped you guys kind of um, understand what the whole session was about. I do it again just because I, you know, it's my job to keep on top of things for you guys. I mean, seriously, um, that is part of what you are paying me for in the group is to keep on top of this stuff. So I have to do it. Um, the sessions in the Dropbox link are ones that I think you should listen to yourself so you can get more details the others I wouldn't waste my time personally I would not waste my time on it. I wouldn't want you to spend your time because it's valuable so I did it for you so um Greg said he just has shipment that was received in five days and have another that's sitting for six weeks at the same warehouse um unfortunately I didn't get some magic email from somebody to send stuff to um though that inbound shipping guy I wrote down his name Adrian D'Souza I wonder if you could do Adrian D'Souza at Amazon or Adrian.D'Souza at Amazon.com um, and see if that helped but I'm sorry I didn't get one for that Rachel said the delay in receiving is even more problematic with those with expiration dated products totally agree totally agree Rachel um, and Thalia said, I got the present that the two tracks in their mind were existing procedures and the second one, all the new fabulous stuff were rolling out. <laughs> yeah, and brand owners were the, um, were the ones who they were obviously targeting. And I'm going to see if I can find out somewhere. I'm an Amazon stockholder and have been for a long time. In an an their last annual report, if they do, I know they break out third-party versus Amazon, but if there's anything about brand owners versus us generalized third-party sellers, what kind of numbers are there? My feeling it's more the generalized one, but then you got to think of all those private label sellers that sell the same you know, product in 65 different iterations. I had to buy a curtain rod over the weekend, and the same picture, the same curtain rod from about 200 different sellers Chinese sellers, you know, it was, um, uh, it showed you what the private label thing is. And I, I don't think it's a good thing for Amazon to have that much to wade through. Cause my mom has quit shopping on Amazon. She has me do it because she has macular degeneration. So she has severe vision issues. She can't see through all the garbage to get what she wants. So she calls me, I log into my Amazon, her credit card is in there. I buy it and have it shipped to her. You know, it's just, it's easier for both of us than for her to be upset. And I'm sure she's not the only person in the world that is, this has come to. It used to be buying on Amazon was a snap. So Ellie said she shipped yesterday and it won't be available till 1030. Good Lord. That's seven weeks. It's ridiculous. 
It is ridiculous. Though I have noticed, Ellie, and hopefully this is the case, they've been giving a way out date, and as things move through the system, it has moved up a little on some boxes I've sent in. So we can we can only hope. So guys, with that, if there's no more questions, I'm going to sign off for the day. I'll be around to answer any questions in the group or any comments. Um, if I've forgotten anything from any of these sessions, please post them. Um, and yeah, let's get started on Q4. It starts in three weeks and let's sell like crazy. And let's, let's keep the group the great place it is for helping others. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much. Bye-bye now.